Welcome to the Light Reading Podcast. I'm Kelsey Zeiser. I'm a senior editor at Light Reading. And I'm Phil Harvey. I am also an editor at Light Reading. Good to see you, Phil. Good to see you, Kelsey. Uh, <laughs> we have an interesting guest for this podcast, a very uh, uh, kind of... Sh- uh, a, a, Let's see, we've got a mobile plan with a shocking price point and a, a, a pretty detailed backstory to get us to why that shocking price point is so shocking. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> exactly. So we talked to Boris uh, Rensky with uh, Helium Mobile, and they have, as you mentioned, a really different approach. Um, they're doing decentralized wireless uh, and also partnering with T-Mobile on their macro network. So he talked a bit about... Um, their approach to having a hybrid network and, and how they differ from, you know, some of the big operators like Verizon and uh, also some new plans that they've announced, um, such as a $5 one, and then they have a brand new $20 a month plan. A new adventure in, uh, you know, taking on the mobile uh, data price point. And the way to do that is to get a seriously uh, augmented network uh, with an open source community, you know, helping and participating in that network so that the traffic, so, so that the carrier itself doesn't have to, you know, pay as much for the traffic that it's carrying. And uh, that's it in a nutshell, but the specifics are very interesting, especially the uh, network pilot that they did in Miami with $5 unlimited data. Um, he'll tell you a little bit about how that uh, how that worked out, and then what the logic was behind it, and what they learned. So it's uh, uh, it's definitely an interesting uh, interview, and let's go ahead and start it right now. Uh, Boris Rensky with Helium Mobile, welcome to the Light Reading Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, thank you for having me. Great to be here. Great to yeah. see you. Yeah. So where are you based? You look like you're ready for cold weather, but. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's just a little cold in the house today, but uh, <laughs> I'm in Los Gatos Bay Area, so okay, about 40 excellent. miles south of San Francisco. Yeah, well, there's always uh, somewhat of a chill in the Bay Area. Um, well, thanks again for joining us, and uh, would love to hear about you all are announcing a new nationwide plan. I believe it's $20 a month. Tell us a little bit about that and, and what kind of services it entails. Yeah, so I think... Maybe it would be helpful to kind of step back a bit and explain in more detail what our service is and what's unique about it, because the $20 announcement is sort of an extension of a journey slash roadmap that we've been traversing for the last six months. And in and of itself, um, I think it's kind of hard to understand the significance of the announcement if the history is not clear. Um, So Helium Mobile is a direct-to-consumer wireless service, um, not unlike something one can get from Verizon or AT&T or T-Mobile, but with a very unique delivery model when it comes to how we actually build the network. So predominantly most carriers today, they, you know, they just deploy their towers and then, you know, they sell a cell phone plan and the plan connects to the tower and and that's how it works. But 
Um, I think the last couple of years, there's been this new industry movement around hybrid networks where instead of, you know, purchasing your own spectrum and your own radios and your own towers, um, one would aggregate um, infrastructure from multiple places. It can be multiple carriers like Google Fi historically has relied on multiple carriers uh, to deliver service to their consumers or even different types of radio technology, which is common among um, some of the cable operators, um, like, for example, Xfinity Mobile or um, Spectrum. Um, they, you know, sort of aggregate um, a network of Wi-Fi access points and cellular radios and then sell that as a single consumer service. So, so Helium Mobile is this type of hybrid network um, that consists of, um, first of all, the macro network, which we are partnering with T-Mobile on, and we're basically reselling T-Mobile network. And then we're supplementing that network with um, a growing um, network that's built by an independent community called Helium um, that consists of um, cellular radios and, and Wi-Fi access points. And we combine the two networks effectively into one when it comes to the consumer experience so that the end user doesn't really know the difference of what, what network they're using at any given time. So they just purchase a plan from us and then they go about their life um, they can, you know, drive around between states, they can sit at home, whatever. And depending on what is the optimal coverage for them at the moment, um, you know, we sort of behind the scenes in the background um, will use one network or the other network or mm -hmm. both. Mm -hmm. So um, we launched this initially um, as a pilot in the, uh, the three counties in the Miami area. So it was Palm Beach County, um, Miami-Dade County, and Broward County. Um, and we launched this pilot for like the specific three counties, um, $5 unlimited all-you-can-eat data, which is a completely disruptive market for pricing on the market. Um, and we also, you know, have started creating a number of incentives for the Helium community to deploy a lot of hotspots in, in this area. And now the next milestone for us, now that we are roughly three, four months into this pilot um, in the Miami area, is to start expanding nationally beyond just the three counties. And this $20 plan is basically a $20 unlimited all-you-can-eat plan that leverages this type of hybrid network that we are you know, delivering to the end users um, that is now available not just for the people in the three counties of Miami, but is available nationwide for $20. That's a so, pretty sorry for a bit of a price very point. long, very no, long that's, that's explanation, helpful. but I think it's that's kind of important background. to give a background. <laughs> yeah. They guys were like, here's how we're building a network, and then we had the pilot, and now we're doing the $20 luncheon. So. Yeah. 
to to go back to the pilot, um, what what have uh, what have you learned so far from uh, from a the five dollar uh, initial price point, um, and also just generally covering the Miami area because it seems like that's a um, that that would be a challenging yep. geography to cover. Uh, you know, you, no matter what technology you're using, how, how did the hybrid network fare in that in that kind of environment? Yeah, yeah. So two things. I would say first, um, we always had kind of a, a theory that um, when it comes to cellular service, um, pricing is important to a lot of people. Um, and our expectation was that by introducing disruptive pricing, um, we would be able to, um, you know, get quick ramp in the area, although we're not very well known and we're kind of new to, you know, the consumer cellular space. Um, I think that we've seen a lot of positive signs of this being true. So um, I think pricing does matter. Um, but second, probably the, the more important part is we're trying to, you know, pilot in Miami to figure out the viability of this model um, at scale. And what I mean by that is whether or not it would be possible to significantly uh, supplement the T-Mobile network with um, the hotspots that are deployed by the community to the point where it can make a meaningful improvement to our cost basis. And I think that that's actually also proving out to be true. Um, and that's really a, the most important pillar of, of the model that, that we're trying to go to market with. And to, to kind of give you a little bit more specificity, the, the, the key assumption that we've had is that vast majority of the data usage um, would be happening in a relatively small percentage of uh, geographic locations because the radios that the community is using to deploy, they don't have nearly as much range as the radios that the macro operators are able to deploy. So in some cases, you know, radio is just like an indoor Wi-Fi access point, or sometimes it's a outdoor radio, like a CBRS radio, radio operating on the CBRS band, but it's still, you know, an order of magnitude less powerful than some of the macro radios. So the network can only be useful if um, it's relatively small geographic area that you actually need to cover. Mm -hmm. And if you can understand with a fair degree of precision where the locations are that you need to deploy the radios. And this was really like kind of a key uh, metric that we were looking at in, in running the pilot. Like if we have these customers in these three counties using the data going about their life, what percentage of, you know, geographic area in these three counties do we actually need to cover with Wi-Fi hotspots to make a meaningful improvement to our cost basis for uh, the macro network? And we are seeing some like amazing results that are, I think, also very much in line with some of the numbers that 
I think folks in the um, cable industry have mentioned. I think that uh, Comcast mentioned something like 80% of their data is 3% of the geographic locations. Right. And we're seeing something very similar, um, which is largely why we feel with some degree of confidence we can now move um, and expand nationally. This does remind me of a um, uh, a cable-related uh, project that I guess it, it didn't last for very long, but Cablevision back many years ago um, attempted to set up a cellular service or a mobile phone service that was Wi-Fi only inside of New York City, um, you know, between because it had so many hotspots deployed in consumer homes that it, it felt like you could pretty much get most of what you needed, uh, you know, from uh, or mo most of your connectivity from existing uh cable vision hubs and hotspots. And then I think it, I think they deployed things, you know, at payphone stands and things of things of that sort to augment it. Um, which brings me to the question of w once you've had a chance to look at, uh, the data in an area like Miami and kind of get a better understanding of where large amounts of the traffic are coming from, uh, how do you go about getting more of the, uh, helium, hotspots in those places so that you can move more traffic off of the macro network? Yeah, so this is um, really a kind of our biggest know-how. So unlike anybody else that is trying to make this hybrid network vision a reality, which, as you've aptly pointed out, been a vision in the space for quite some time with, you know, some number of failed attempts and you know, some number of what I would, you know, cautiously call, um, you know, emerging successes. Um, we have a very unique way of going about building out that, you know, hotspot um, augmented network. So we rely on a community called Helium, which is... Um, sort of, you know, an independent community that is governed by a Helium Foundation um, that initially was born, I think, two, three years ago um, with a vision to build a global IoT network whereby, like, anybody can purchase a hotspot, um, put it anywhere, you know, with IoT, you don't need to be very precise where you put them, so in case of IoT, they could put them pretty much anywhere right. and then earn um, cryptocurrency rewards in the form of Helium tokens for operating that hotspot. And that was kind of like this very creative, interesting project that um, turned out to be quite successful, um, particularly when it comes to being able to very quickly build a very, very large network with very minimal um, capex investment so i think that when you look at the iot network um under the helium foundation umbrella um there is like over half a million active hotspots and i think at the peak of crypto hype so to speak there was close to a million of those hotspots out there more than necessary wow. so we are relying on the same community to instead of deploying the IoT hotspots, 
deploy um, Wi-Fi hotspots and CBRS radios. And what we have done is we've worked with a community to build um, an algorithm whereby based on um, some of the customers, some of the Helium mobile customers' data that they willingly opt in to share um, in return for um, cryptocurrency rewards. Um, this, this, this data basically goes into um, um, the, the Helium network and, and, and we identify the very specific locations where the customers tend to use the most T-Mobile data effectively. Okay. And then we draw a map, like a publicly available map that anybody can go to planner.hellohelium.com. And it's a map that, you know, basically divides up all of US into these hexes. And you can see the hexes. Um, and even if you can just zoom in on, on the Miami, um, Miami Dade and Broward County, you will see the hexes where most usage is happening. So anybody can open up this map. And they can look, okay, here are the locations where if I was to place a Wi-Fi hotspot, mm -hmm. this will earn me the most cryptocurrency tokens. And then, you know, we take a completely hands-off approach after that. So we just, you know, allow people to purchase the hotspots themselves um, from us or from third-party vendor, place them if they have access to that location themselves. And there is a you know fully automated process for this hotspot to get online and tethered and become a part of the network. And on one side, start offloading our customer data, and on the other side, um, start earning cryptocurrency tokens for whoever is the person or entity that 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 deployed that hotspot. That's interesting. So it's a kind of a network of entrepreneur entrepreneurial types that are looking at. Um you know, possibly, uh, you know, they have to foot the money for the connectivity to the device and the, um, and the device itself, right. You know, the backhaul, I guess. And then, um, yes. and then once that's up and running, it's on your network, uh, it's, it's moving data back and forth and then they're getting compensated by the amount, by the volume of data traffic that, that, uh, that that's on that. A device. That is correct. That is correct. And there is a tooling available out there to educate them on where these specific locations are, which is very important, right? Because yeah. if somebody was to put a Wi-Fi hotspot in their closet, like if I was to do it, and I live in Los Gatos, you know, far away from, you know, anybody, it wouldn't be much good for anybody right. except maybe for myself. But if I was to go to downtown Los Gatos, and I was to put it into a Starbucks coffee shop where there's a lot of people, then it potentially would be useful. So we expose these specific locations through you know, publicly available tooling for people to make educated decisions on where to place them such that the network that's being built is actually useful instead of it being just you know, a bunch of random hotspots in people's closets. Mm -hmm. How do, how does that change the approach to managing the network since, you know, versus like a, um, you know, the big like Verizon big operator since uh, the subscribers are participating and building out the network, so to speak? How, do, how does that change um, 
your approach to providing them with support and also ensuring that the network is, um, you know, working at its best, I suppose. Yeah. So, um, trying to figure out where to start, start tackling this. So, I mean, we, first of all, had to rethink bottoms up from scratch, like all of the software stack, um, that we use to actually build and operate the network. So unlike most large operators, like you mentioned, Verizon, um, that generally, you know, rely on um, vendor built equipment, like, you know, Ericsson network core or, you know, Nokia radios or whatever, um, because of how our network is built, we had to kind of rethink everything tops down. And we today operate our own kind of greenfielded network stack that is purpose-built for um, this hybrid network operation, which to a large extent has been possible because of uh, you know proliferation of the open source project in the communication space. So, you know, we use like projects like open source core um, called Magma under the Linux foundation umbrella that, that we're heavily leveraging for CBRS radios. Um, there's a project called open Wi-Fi under the telecom infra umbrella that has made the Wi-Fi part of the network possible. There's a whole bunch of custom pieces that we had to build for just, you know, operations, uptime monitoring, things like that. Um, it's a dramatically different approach and, you know, I kind of see the parallels between like what we are doing as a telco and, uh, what has happened in the past in the cloud world. So my, my background is open source cloud infrastructure. I've, um, founded a company called Mirantis prior to, um, moving to, uh, Nova Labs with this project. Um, and, you know, in the cloud world, we kind of saw how, you know, like the first incarnations were like IBMs and HPs selling mainframes, but then the next world of cloud was all based on open source where Amazon and Google and the like, they, they built everything completely different, much more self-service um, and predominantly leverage open source. So it's very much the same thing that I think we're observing um, in a telco space happening now. Um, there's a lot of open source components out there that make the ability to kind of rebuild the stack from the ground up and take a completely different approach where you, you know, have, you know, a lot of radios, a lot of redundancy. Each one of the radios is less critical uh, because there is a lot of redundancy and there's a lot of automation to ensure uptime. So, you know, we had to build all of that. Um, and everything that I wanted to pile into this kind of train of thought that I think is also important is, which, you know, again, is part of the reason why I think some of these hybrid network projects in the past have failed and some of the newer ones like us and those that are being pushed by the cable operators are succeeding is that I think that just the technology, uh, like the radio technology and the 
the OS in the phone has matured to be able to be much more accepting of operating that kind of network. So it's not just us, it's not just the network stack, but I think that also the, you know, like iOS and Android um, on the phone side have started working a lot better when it comes to managing the hybrid networks. So combining all of these things together, I think enables us to actually be able to do what, you know, if you were to like rewind 10 years and say like, oh, you're going to be making a 911 call through a Wi-Fi access point. How is that possible? Like, it wasn't really possible or, you know, safe um, 10, 15 years ago, but it is now for those reasons. Yeah, makes sense. Um, uh, well, it's pretty interesting. So the, the uh, let's go back to the offer then so and then we'll wrap up uh so we can uh, uh keep the podcast brief enough to be widely distributed <laughs> um of course the offer is 20 bucks a month uh wireless service uh, uh presumably with the, uh you sign up with a uh smart you get a smartphone sign up with sign up for a plan and then you're you're on the helium network yeah, that's exactly correct. It's 20 bucks a month, available nationwide, US-wide coverage, unlimited call, text, data. Um, and you go to hellohelium.com and, you know, you click a few buttons, you sign up and you're ready to go. Fantastic. Um, is there any uh, data available or do you guys disclose uh, how how many subscribers you have or how big uh, the, the, the network of uh, hotspots is broadly? Um, so the information about the uh, hotspots today is actually public because, you know, it, it's not even direct. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's in the planner. There's multiple community tools that show it. So I think that there is a little over 10,000 hotspots deployed all over U.S., today um and you know we've been pretty happy uh, with the uptake like i mentioned on the subscriber side as well um one of the biggest metrics that we are tracking is not so much about the total number of subscribers because obviously if you compare us to at&t or verizon like you know we are nowhere near in terms of a number of subscribers, but what's important to us is the growth ramp of the subscribers. Um, and the ramp has been quite impressive. So we are optimistic about, uh, you know, that ramping even faster with the service now being available nationwide. Sounds good. All right. Well, we'll leave it there for now. Boris Rinsky, uh, thanks very much for being uh, on the podcast and, uh, and we'll keep in touch. We want to hear, hear how, this, uh, how this takes off. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. It was a great pleasure. Thanks. Thanks.